Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Let me begin this show with a warning. If you are hoping to hear a lot about the referral from the January 6th committee and analysis and calls and guests... I invite you to tune in to another program because you are not going to hear anything for the next four hours about the so-called criminal referral by the January 6th committee. And that's because what's being called a criminal referral by the January 6th committee carries about as much legal weight as a letter written in crayon by Zippy the Chimp. It has no basis at all in any statute. It has no basis at all in any law. It doesn't have any basis at all in any House of Representatives rule. They essentially just put out a document that they had written and made up a serious-sounding name for it. You could do this. I could do this. I've done this, actually, with people. And you know what effect it had? Nothing. Nothing. Prosecutors would take my criminal complaint or my criminal referral about so-and-so and, oh, Frank Moreno thinks this? Who cares? They didn't even attempt to invoke the one statutory authority they do potentially have at their disposal, which is the criminal contempt statute. So they wrote their equivalent of a long tweet and hoped that the phrase criminal referral would get people excited. And this is the last thing I'll say about this. Some people who were skeptical of charging Trump criminally for speech offenses related to the January 6th incident, they rationalized that second impeachment because that was only a political process. Well, now Liz Cheney and Adam Schiff and the fellas on this committee are using that as a model to demand outright speech criminalization. As Alan Dershowitz and other people brighter than me have said, this is totally meritless. It's almost unconstitutional. It could basically be considered a bill of attainder. It's not the job of congressional committees to act like federal grand juries. That's why we have a Department of Justice, and that's why we have a separation of powers. That is why, for the next four hours, you will hear nothing about the January 6th committee. I want to give you a fair warning in case you want to find a program that is a better fit for you. On a brighter note, Jeffrey Gurian is here. Let's talk laughter. Let's talk comedy. Let's talk happiness. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. 
Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano here on 77 WABC. Have you followed the drama in the last 24 hours regarding Congressman-elect from Long Island, George Santos? Now, I've known George for a few years. He ran for office before. He almost won a couple of years ago. I don't know him well, but I've met him many times over the years. And he always struck me as a nice guy, a smart enough guy. Well, more than a month after the election, the New York Times has published a bombshell report alleging that Congressman-elect Santos may have faked much of his biography, including his jobs at Citigroup and Goldman Sachs. No evidence of it. He looks like he just made it up. His graduation from Baruch College, his family's wealth, even his home address, his employment of four victims of the Pulse nightclub shooting, and his nonprofit group. A couple of things strike me about this. One, It is interesting that Santos, who touts himself as the pro-Trump, openly gay son of immigrants, and he flipped one of four New York congressional seats from Democrat to Republican during the midterms, and he's been someone that uh, the Republicans have said is one of the few bright spots in the whole country because he took this blue district and turned it red. It's interesting to me if what's in this article is true and his attorney is taking issue with it. He says this is just a smear job by the New York Times. I imagine we'll see some rebuttal to this in the coming days. But uh, it's interesting to me that if this is true, that Santos would be so brazen in making up facts that were so easily checkable. Now, it almost, I this is terrible and nobody should ever lie, but I almost have to give the guy credit for being so over the top in making things up. It almost reminds me a little bit of Leonardo DiCaprio in that picture, Catch Me If You Can, where he plays Frank Abagnale. He just makes up a whole biography for himself. That's wild. The other thing that this illustrates, I think, is the dearth of local reporters and local journalists. No one thought George Santos really was going to win. No one thought he had a shot at winning until the waning weeks of the campaign. So I don't think he was ever thoroughly investigated by the media or his opponents. And that is what happens when local newspapers and local media outlets shut down. This George Santos story should be a clarion call to all of us to support, preserve, and enhance local media so that there are watchdogs, so that the next time a congressional candidate or a candidate for any office of any party makes up large parts of their resume, the public at least knows about it before they vote for them. That person. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Tom Swazi comes back to run for this seat in two years. I'll point out that I had suggested Curtis Lewa run for this seat this year. At least Curtis Lewa's skeletons are all out in the open already. Beam me up. To be continued. The other side of midnight. Local spotlight. I'll tell you, the mayor of the city of New York, Eric Adams, might be the only person who is friendlier with more shady people than I am. The so-called bling bishop, Lamore Whitehead, the flashy Brooklyn pastor. You remember the story, and I know Dominic Carter talked about it a couple hours ago, and you've been hearing about it on the top of the hour news. But he was robbed at gunpoint during a church service earlier this year. Well, yesterday he was arrested by federal agents for alleged scamming a member of his congregation, among other things. He, like every other criminal defendant, is entitled to the presumption of innocence, and he and his people are claiming that he is exactly that. 
innocent. But you have to watch out for people that preach this so-called prosperity gospel. And to me, it doesn't matter whether you, what religion you are, which sack. But this fellow drives a Rolls Royce and he wears pricey jewelry and Gucci suits. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of that. But he was indicted on two counts of wire fraud, one count of extortion, and one count of making material false statements for lying to the FBI, according to federal prosecutors. Here is the most alarming part of what's alleged by this federal indictment. They say that this 44-year-old Bling Bishop swindled one of his parishioners out of $90,000 of her retirement savings by promising to use the cash to buy her a home, and instead, he blew it on luxury goods and clothing. Now, again, I hope he's not guilty of that, because if that is the kind of thing that he or any person, let alone a person of the cloth, would do, there is, I believe, a special place in hell for anybody that would scheme an old person and use their belief in your preaching of the gospel and take advantage of that. In another alleged scheme, he extorted a businessman for $5,000 and asked the man to lend him $500,000, promising he could obtain favorable actions by the New York City government in exchange for the cash and interest in real estate transactions. There's no allegation that Eric Adams did anything wrong here, but Lamore Whitehead has a relationship going back to at least 2013 with Eric Adams, so it would will be interesting to see the mayor's response to his friend's arrest here. Whitehead, you may also remember, made headlines back in May when he tried to negotiate the surrender of an accused subway shooter at the time, and he claimed to have spoken with the mayor while the suspect was on the loose. Whitehead was also convicted of identity theft charges brought by state prosecutors in 2006 for using the personal information of several people to buy cars and motorcycles. Hey, you never know. Maybe this person can run against George Santos for Congress in two years. Beam me up. To be continued. The other side of midnight. Local spotlight. Every day I read the newspaper just about, and there's a story that makes me ask myself, what planet am I living on? Here is the one this week. Students at Manhattan's new school, very prestigious school, very well regarded, very progressive, have entered their second week of protests and occupation of a campus building. Now, that in and of itself is not terribly unusual. That happens. They've issued a 16 point list of demands. Listen to these demands from these college students, which includes tuition refunds, better quality cafeteria foods, and A grades for every student. The protest, which began December 8th, was originally in support of adjunct faculty members who went on strike demanding improved health care and higher wages. Although the 25-day strike ended December 10th, the occupying students, this is just unbelievable to me, are now demanding that the new school compensate them for disruptions to their education caused by the part-time professor's walkout. Among the demands are changes to the grading policy. Quote, we demand that every student receives a final course grade of A, as well as the removal of IZ grades for the fall 2022 semester. The letter also went on to demand that attendance shall have no bearing on course grade. Isn't that incredible? You don't have to show up. You don't have to do the work. 
you get an A, according to the New School's website, by the way, an I grade is a temporary or incomplete, and a Z grade is an unofficial withdrawal. These students are also demanding the resignation of New School President Dwight McBride, as well as the provost and the vice president. They want the West Village townhouse occupied by the president to be treated as communal property of the New School and used for purposes determined by the non-administrative TNS community. That's the new school. Other demands include a tuition fee freeze and the refund of tuition. I don't know where these students get off. I hope the faculty at the new school, I hope this, uh, the, the provost and all the leadership of the new school throws all these students out. Who are these students to walk out of class, go on a protest, occupy the school and demand not only A's but a tuition refund? Give me a break. You want to go on strike? You want to show civil disobedience? You want to protest? That's great. That's fine. I went to NYU. There was a protest every other day. But for you to demand an A while you're skipping out on your classes, that's just insane. And I hope these new school folks show these kids that they're not going to be able to get away with it. Beam me up. To be continued.